I'm not crazy. I'm just not you. On this episode of the podcast, we have Tim Duff. Tim is a high school wrestling coach and combat sports specialist. On this episode of the podcast, Tim tells us why we should bend our spines, build our necks, and perform the innate movements we were all born with to level up our bodies. Tim has a wicked approach to sports performance, and this pod is a must-listen for all wrestling coaches out there. I hope you guys get as much out of this as I did. Thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood. Before we hit the intro music, I wanted to introduce to you guys the Yoakum Strength Insider. The Yoakum Strength Insider is our online training platform that takes all of the ideas that we talk about on this podcast and implements them into a program that is available to you at the touch of your fingers. Our goal with the Yoakum Strength Insider is to create better movers, to level up your life, and to move forward from where you are. We do this in a holistic fashion. Not only will you receive a program that has helped hundreds of people become better movers, you'll also receive access to our app that allows you to track everything, has video links for all exercises, and allows you to be in constant communication with a Yoakum Strength Coach. Along with this, you'll get our 30-page PDF nutrition and lifestyle guidelines that includes everything from what to eat, how much of it to eat, why we're eating it, meditation habits, and other lifestyle habits that we implement with our clients to really level up their lives. If you're interested in trying out one of these programs, use Podcast 25 in the discount section right before you pay for 25% off your first program. Boom. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast. Take the leap down the rabbit hole with us as we interview elite-level guests to unravel what high performance really is. All right, well, Coach, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you here. Yeah, I'm excited to be on. Let's get this going. Yeah, we dove into the background of wrestling, and then you talked about how you came from a high school that had a huge wrestling bet. They ranked top 10 in the nation, and I also come from the from a community that is built around wrestling. Like they're always top in the state. And then it's, we talked about that massive, just community and pressure to perform in wrestling and, and kind of how it's one of the sports kind of like hockey and baseball. Just it's less known of like the obsessive piece that wrestling requires. And these kids are starting to wrestle when they're like four years old, yeah. but I'm interested in how you got into this world of wrestling because we, we talked just a little bit before we started recording that you had just a little bit of a different background getting into it, but how'd you get into the world of wrestling both personally and then coaching and, and what are you doing now with it yeah so it, like you said like I had a different approach into the sport than most people have all my life I pretty much was just a soccer player like literally from the age of five um, my parents had got me started in like a rec league and then from there just developed a really good group of friends that kind of definitely helped me stay with the sport um, but I did that pretty much all the way through high school you know did the whole travel scene going to tournaments on the weekends. Um, it was like my entire life. And, you know, with many kids, like in terms of like the travel scene, uh, I just eventually got burnt out on the sport, doing it day in and day out. Um, it just like took a toll on me. And I started to realize like I wasn't as passionate about it as I used to be. And so I like I kind of felt it coming like a few years before I even quit. Like I stopped doing travel um, I was just doing the high school season and then in the off season, you know, I was just staying running every now and then I'd go out to the soccer field, kind of mess around, but you could tell, like, like I knew what was coming, but I just told myself like, nah, I'm just going to keep going through like the motion of it. Like whatever happens, happens at the time. A lot of my other buddies were big wrestlers. They'd been doing it through middle school. Um, and then obviously once our freshman year came around, a lot of them were like trying to get me to come out for the team. 
I had absolutely no interest in doing it. Uh, I thought like I had no really previous knowledge of wrestling other than it was just like two guys in singlets wrestling. And I was like, I don't know if I'm like willing to do that. Uh, but all that changed when I actually went to one of our home duels. Like I said, our, our high school was really talented the year before my eighth grade year, they won state. And then my freshman year, they won state again. So they went back to back. And when I went to one of the home duels, uh, I saw all my buddies having a blast there being the crap out of some kids. And it just was something so new to me that like I instantly latched onto it. And I made like the decision that I was going to sign up for it next year. Went through like my first summer camp with the team and it was a very eye-opening experience. I thought I had good cardio from doing soccer all these years, but within the first 30 minutes of drilling, like I had been, I've never been more tired in my entire life. And the guy who I was going with was around 30 pounds lighter than me. And I couldn't do anything to stop him. Everything I tried just seemed like it seemed like he knew what I was about to do before I was even doing it. And, you know, for most people that might be like, Oh, I don't know if this is for me. Like I, I literally got my butt kicked so much that first day, but I kind of just like, like I said, I was so done with soccer. And this was something so new to me that, instantly I was hooked. I was like, I have to learn how to get better. I have to learn, you know, what it is that he sees me doing that allows him to set up these shots. So from there I was hooked, uh, wrestled, you know, those three years. So my sophomore year, my junior year, my senior year. And after our senior year, you know, I, like I said, I loved my time in wrestling, but I didn't really see myself going further with the sport in college. I was a pretty average wrestler. And I think a lot of my growth was just because how talented our room was you know, I was going with state placers, kids that were ranked nationally day in and day out. And so that definitely like helped accelerate my growth. But even my senior year, I knew like I probably wasn't going to do anything in college with it. Uh, and so from there, I just decided, hey, I'm just going to, you know, study, get my degree. And from there, whatever happens, happens. But I never saw myself, you know, sticking with the sport for as long as I have, even in the coaching mindset. Like if you had asked high school, Tim, like, Hey, do you want to be a wrestling coach? Like that would have never even crossed my mind. Like, especially looking at like some, how some of our teammates acted, I was like, no, I could never deal with these kids. So um, yeah, that's kind of like how I got into the sport. Okay. So you, you said after high school, after high school, you said you didn't see it continuing. Did you end up wrestling in college or how did you get back into the world of coaching after being like, Oh, I don't think I'm going to make it because I'm an average wrestler. Yeah. So I ended up uh, choosing to go to the university of Iowa Obviously, Iowa has a very like historic wrestling program. And that was kind of one of the things I thought, like my senior year, I probably didn't have the best uh, lifestyle habits. I didn't have the best outlook on, you know, schooling and life in general. And so when I picked Iowa, my sister had gone there. So I was kind of familiar with the campus. And that's one of the reasons why I chose it. But I also chose it because they have great athletics and they also have like a really good party scene. And that was like my mindset going into college. And so my freshman year, I didn't do anything with the sport. My sophomore year, I kind of found that they had a club wrestling team. And, you know, going to those duels my freshman year definitely, like, piqued my interest again. Like, when you go to, like, Carver-Hawkeye Arena, you know, you have 20,000, like, people, <laughs> like, in the stands just going crazy. Uh, even for, like, small duels, like, not even against, like, top, like, ranked, like, teams in the country. That was just, like, oh, like this is what I loved about wrestling. Like just this atmosphere, like 
the fans get into it like crazy, even to the point where I'm like, they're, they're complaining about like the ref when I didn't even think the ref was doing anything wrong, but that whole atmosphere really got me fired up again. So I made it like an effort to go out for the club team and the club team was, you know, nothing like crazy. Like it's just guys kind of like myself who wrestled in high school, um, didn't see themselves wrestling in college, but they just kind of wanted to stay with the sport, stay in shape. And Unfortunately, like the three years that I was uh, that I started to do the club, we could never keep a consistent amount of guys. So we never got to compete anywhere, which was really unfortunate. But uh, just like being with those guys, you know, practicing, I think we were doing two times a week. It was enough to kind of keep my interest in the sport. And then out of college, I had done a summer camp with the school that I'm currently at. Uh, It just was like on the whim that one of my dad's friends asked if I would be able to help out. And so I helped out with the camp and our current head coach at the high school, that was his first season. And so, you know, when I was looking for jobs, he had remembered that I had helped out with that summer camp and he asked if I'd be interested in coaching. And that's kind of how I fell into the gig. And it's also super awesome. I, I have to shout like coach K out because from day one, when I came in, he had the mindset like, Hey, I want you to run the strength and conditioning program. Um, and, you know, for some coaches, it might be hard to like, relinqu relinquish like certain parts of the program especially to a young coach and he had the utmost faith in whatever i was doing and he's just been like nothing but supportive so um his like support has definitely helped these past two years because as a young coach you're gonna face insecurities i always question you know am i having the athletes do the best thing that they can possibly do um and so just like having that like that that mentor behind me saying like hey like whatever you're doing i got your back like like, don't worry about it. You're going to be fine. So that's kind of how I ended up falling back into the world of wrestling, specifically coaching. Yeah, that's freaking awesome. I, I love all those connections. When Now you're taking over this strength conditioning program. And one of the reasons I have you on the podcast is because I fucking love the strength conditioning aspect of what you're talking about um, and the sports performance aspect of what you're talking about. And you talk about being a young coach, but like the way you approach the strength conditioning aspect of this, it, it, it it's it's such like a an outside perspective with like just common sense things that you want to work on with your athletes and with the wrestling athletes in front of you that you don't see in the wrestling world like a lot of wrestling world it's it's like cardio until you die like go go run like go rocky training and maybe the rocky training to a little bit is helpful for some of these kids but um and, and because we've, we've talked about rocky training being good for for some athletes it was like wrestlers have been exposed to rocky training since they've been five years old you know like that it's the one population of like they, they do an amazing job of actually developing a base and doing some rocky training but at some point you got to kind of get out of that grind mindset rocky training and you actually have to train and then like go in different directions and build some strength I, i've had wrestlers that, that i was working with this uh he's going to olympic trials um and he could barely like goblet squat like 40 pounds and he was like, 180 pounds like uh greco wrestler that was just tossing people and i'm like but your low-hanging fruit is none of the like mental toughness like you can go 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 for days like let's let's drive some of the adaptations that you don't have how did you go about seeing strength conditioning and sports performance in a way that you do to implement it in the world of wrestling when the world of wrestling is kind of so indoctrinated in like this grind rocky mentality yeah i kind of the first thing i did is i kind of just looked at what i was doing in high school and you know whether or not it was working when i first started lifting it was specifically to get better at wrestling you know to get stronger move up in weight classes 
But, you know, it was very just like that grind mindset of like each day I'm going into the gym, I'm trying to kill my body. Um, a lot of it was just like typical, like bodybuilding, like, like workouts. I'd, I'd look up on YouTube or whatever. And, you know, looking back at it, it's kind of like funny. It's a little bit cringe, but at the same time, like you said, like, I think it definitely helped me in terms of getting into that mindset, but at a certain point you kind of have to layer other things on top of it. And my senior year, I was definitely starting to feel like some aches and pains of the sport of like training for like that for, you know, months and years. I had, you know, low back pain whenever I would do like compound movements. Uh, like I would do squats and obviously like my form was terrible. <laughs> Load management was horrible, but you know, I'd get out from under the squat bar and I would have to like kind of chill for a second. Cause my low back would be like freezing up on me. Uh, I was getting knee pain in my left knee pretty bad. I'd even gone to like an orthopedic uh, guy and he'd said, uh, because at first I thought I'd torn my meniscus. The pain was getting that bad. And he ended up just telling me like, we got an MRI done. He said, Hey, you just have thinning of the cartilage. This is just from wear and tear. And he had told me like, there's really not much we can do other than doing like, um, you know, injections every six months. And, you know, that's basically going to be it. Eventually you're going to need a knee replacement. Like, he, like he gave me like this, such this like doom and gloom outlook on my knee. And I remember like leaving there, even as like a young athlete, not really thinking that I was going to stay with, you know, um, like strength training for, you know, in the future. And I just remember thinking like, dude, that, that can't be the answer. Like, there's no way that like, this is what, like, I'm a young kid. I'm in like the peak shape of my life. And you're telling me that I'm going to need a knee replacement in like 20 years or something like that. Uh, so like just looking back at that training and, you know, the results I got from it was kind of like, you know, maybe there's like a different way to go about this. Uh, and even like when I started like getting into my studies in college, uh, you know, it was very like just like CSCS type like information. Uh, and I started following that, you know, made some improvements in terms of, you know, fixing my low back and my knee, but they were still giving me problems to the point where like, I was still left with that feeling of there has to be something else out there to, you know, to at least improve upon this and not just have to live with this nagging pain, take ass or like take ibuprofen every single day and just numb it out. And so eventually, uh, and I know some people will probably think this is a little cringe. I kind of fell into like, uh, and found ATG and ATG, like people can say what they want about it, but I think what the group does really good is just like telling people that the body isn't fragile and that if you start from a, a point that you can tolerate, you can eventually get to a point where you're doing all these crazy things that you see people doing. Um, you know, obviously the way they go about things, some people don't agree with, but that like that, just that change in mindset for me was huge. And the way, like I started to approach my training drastically changed. Thankfully, my knee situation got better. My low back situation got better. And then once you start seeing results, it's so addictive. And just like the rabbit hole grew from there. Um, COVID also definitely helped. I know a lot of people like COVID was kind of like a make or break thing for me. I just like got into every single rabbit hole I possibly could about like health and nutrition. So I was like researching things about grounding, sunlight, um, nasal breathing, like things I had never been taught about in my college courses, I was just starting to delve into on my own. And I started implementing them into my life. I saw some benefits. And from there, it's just like, 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 like I said, it's just like, you see one thing and it's like, everything's interconnected. 
and my interest for like strength training, I was like, I was fully on board of like, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm passionate about. And so getting back to like the wrestling training, I just like, I saw back in my high school self, the issues I was dealing with. And I saw this new form of training or not even new form, because this is stuff that's been around for so long. And it's like, we're just now kind of getting back to it in the strength world, but you know, gradually progressing movements, moving the spine, getting our knees to fully bend and just like training a little bit of everything and just like being like an all around beast, which for wrestling is something you have to do. You have to be good in nearly every position. You can't just like favor upper body, lower body. Uh, you have to dedicate uh, equal amounts of time to it all. So um, I know I kind of like rambled on there, but like, that's where like, I just initially got hooked on to like, how can we make like wrestling training smarter and now that I think about it, I'd also remembered looking back at like the Iowa roster and like towards the end of the year, you would see guys who were in the best, like best in the country. And they were wearing, you know, knee braces, shoulder braces, and they were just completely run down and compare that to a program like Penn state who they've been the best team in the country for probably the past decade. And you hear like, Oh, for their warmups, they're playing games. They're, they're doing all this stuff that, you know, the traditional wrestling person is going to say, oh, that's stupid. Like they should, they're not working hard enough. But then again, they're having five guys win national titles every single season. So um, that's just where I kind of like all these ideas just started to like influence me of like, how can I make um, training for wrestling, like just a tad bit smarter and just help these athletes be, you know, as good as they can for as long as they can, because at the end of the day, wrestling is a taxing sport. You're going to get some bumps and bruises, but if we can mitigate that in any way, um, it's like a win in my, in my mind. Yeah. That's freaking awesome. You talk about the HED uh, and, and like you said, the methods, like the methods doesn't have to be there. What needs to be there is, is that spark and whatever it is for you. Uh, Cause people argue against Dr. Tommy John, people argue against shit. I say all the time and it's okay. Like the methods don't need to be right. What needs to be right is that spark of, you are capable because everything else sold to you right now is you are incapable, you are fragile. And then you start to build your framework of your, your body and your mind and the world around you of you are fragile. And the other way is you can build your world around you are on, like you are capable, you are not fragile. You can do all these things. And then once you have that spark, it doesn't really matter the methods because you get addicted to it. Like you said, you start seeing the results and that's why obviously there's a lot of marketing that goes with ATG, but like, that's why they're part of why they're so successful is they get people addicted to that and they go through and they're the first kind of hit of that drug of, oh shit, I'm capable. And all, mo hopefully like somebody like you and, and I think Jeffrey Wolf, obviously like he's left as well, but there's a bunch of people that have left from there. They get that spark and then they leave the matrix. And, but now they still have that like eye opening experience of what else can I do? What, what's an outside approach that I can take, which I think is super, super powerful for trying to push what the human body is capable of. I just had Chad Chili on the podcast last night and he was talking about all of these special force operatives. And he's like, these, these like you do not understand what the body is capable of until you watch some of the what these special force guys can do and as it is super like, like holy shit you're you're totally right and some of the stories he was telling me i'm like yeah and then you have like ats pts and strength coaches being like you can't land that way like you, you can't you can't you can't pick up a barbell in a zercher stance and this is like you can't you, like you've seen people argue zerchers and it's like go watch wrestling bro like they're yeah. doing it at a way more dynamic like rate than you just picking up that barbell that is like 45 pounds like that's not going to be the thing that breaks you yeah like 
Exactly. Like I would, I remember like watching teammates, especially like during freestyle season, literally like do a zercher, throw the guy. And it never crossed through my mind. Like, Oh, he's going to hurt his back doing that. But then, you know, in college, like they're teaching, you know, keep a neutral spine, don't go below parallel, like anterior tibial shear, like increases and all this stuff. And like, I just like completely like forgotten about those memories of like, like, no, like I've seen people get into these positions perfectly fine and they've never had an issue. But now that it was like an official organization kind of telling me, Hey, I have to avoid this. Like I completely adopted it. And it's like, like, yeah, like my body wasn't good when I was following those like principles uh, to an extent. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of factors that play into it. I wasn't living the best lifestyle, like, um, like socially, like mentally, physically. And so there's definitely a lot of things that play into it, but um, yeah, it's just kind of funny when, yeah, you see these people like, like citing studies of like why you shouldn't like round your back. And then it's like, I've been doing this for like, I've been like, especially like Zurchers and Jefferson's I've been messing with this for like, like close to two years now. And my back has never felt better. And people might say, Oh, that's an anecdote, anecdotal like evidence. But like, I don't know, like, I just know how my body used to feel and I know how it feels now. And even if that's just like all in my mind, like, like I have the results to back it up and thousands of other people that are in this realm that are kind of now realizing like, you know, the body is meant to move through all of its positions that, you know, we were innately given at like a young age. Yeah. Yeah. And as, again, it's, it's like that, the antidote for yourself, the N of one is the eye opener. It's the proof of concept. It's like, okay, there maybe there's something here. And then when you continually apply it to athletes and they all say the same thing, it's like, okay, like we should probably pay attention to something that is here, yeah. you know? And I, I mean, I was the same exact way. It was the same exact thing as like told to brace, cold to stiff, told to avoid. And it, I've never, I've never felt shittier and I felt so shitty. I didn't even realize it was a different, like I didn't even realize it was wrong to feel that shitty because yeah. I was doing everything I was told to do that was right. And I didn't realize it until somebody like, Hey, you should try some of this other stuff. And honestly, the only reason I tried the other stuff is because I was so bad at it to start. Like uh, some of the spines, I think I think it might have been Michael Zwayful was talking about some of the gymnastics stuff he was talking about implementing. And I was so bad at it to start. It had nothing to do with getting me out of pain or doing that. It was I was so bad at it. I wanted to get good at it basically just to prove like, fuck this, I can do this. And then I got good at it. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is what a body supposed to feel like. And I just remember I used to walk with this, like just so locked up and like, not not even thinking I was scared of movement, but just avoiding so many movements because I knew what would happen if I went there. And now it's like I I'll jump into like this morning, like we had game day. I jumped into like 17 different games. I'll, I'll like go lift with my athletes and I'll go lift with my like I'll just it's just so much more capable. And, and when you walk around capable and feeling capable, like it, it's really hard to kind of argue against that. And then you implement it with your athletes and you have 10 athletes that are saying it. Okay. And then you have a hundred athletes that are saying it. Okay. You know, and you have continual and you have these stay at home dads saying the same thing. You know, you have, you have these professional athletes saying the same thing and this proof of concept starts to be solidified in, okay, maybe there is something here that is worth exploring. And the other point is like the, the, the paradox of it is right in front of us. If we, if we just watch movement in front of us in the wrestling, like it's right in front of us. And we're just, we're ignoring both of these two points because it was written in a book and it would cost a lot of money for a lot of people if we changed what was written in the book. Yeah, it's well, yeah, exactly. Because I even think back to like when I was in high school, like there were like certain moves and techniques that I just completely avoided because 
I knew when I got into those positions, I didn't feel comfortable in them. I just, I was always like a pretty stiff kid. Like my flexibility was horrible, but then looking back, it was like, I did nothing to even try to fix (laughs) that. And I like wondered why I was like stiff as a board. Um, But then even like in recent months when I've like started to get back into wrestling, like just my movement now feels so much more like free. Like I'm able to try stuff that I never even thought like, I always just told myself like, ah, that's not for my body type, like that move, but like the movement, like freedom that I've been given just by, you know, literally just training a little bit of everything, moving the spine around, like getting the shoulders to relax. Like, like now that just think about it, like I had so many issues in high school and it was just like so obvious why it was, but sometimes like the most obvious things aren't obvious and, um, getting my kids to buy into it definitely was like hard at first, but it's the same thing. Once they start to see the res- results, especially on the mat, um, it's yeah. They even tell me like, Coach Duffy, this is awesome. Like I've never felt as good as I have, and like that's like probably one of the best things I can ever hear in my life because I knew what I was like in high school, and if I had just had someone kind of like like chirping in my ear, like, hey, like just like try this, like see how you feel, and if you don't feel anything different, then you know you can go back to you- whatever training you want to do, but. Um, yeah, that's, that's been one of like the best things about like coaching this previous year is just like helping kids that used to be like me, not be like me in high yeah. school. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat, bro. Like I look at somebody I'm like, Oh, yep. You are me. I'm going to with this is going to be a good project to work with here. So what are some of your, your, your principles for training the spine? Like what are some of the principles that you approach? Is, is it an everyday type thing? How are you implementing it into a workout? Um, like to, to, to make it just a little bit more tangible for coaches that are maybe just not super in, they, they, they don't understand even how to implement this or what we're even talking about. Like, how are you implementing the bending of the spine, the training of the spine, the movement of the spine? Like, what are your principles there? How are you actually plugging and playing it into your program? And, and what are kind of your approaches there? Yeah, so that was definitely something I struggled with um, last year, but something I found like it's a really easy entry point is that uh, Tommy John spinal flow. It's a really good warm up, but it literally is just getting all those positions like lateral flexion, flexion, extension, and just getting kids like used to those positions. Because, like I said, most of these kids that come in, um, and you know, like COVID definitely had an effect on some kids, they weren't as active as they probably should have been for those two years. And so, I take that into consideration that a lot of these kids are probably going to be pretty deconditioned, and that spinal flow, you know, doing the, the, like Jefferson curls all the way to the extension, even like the neck movements. It's just a really good entry point in terms of like getting them used to those positions because you watch the kids do it. And a lot of them have like tensed up faces, but then as the weeks go on, they get more used to it. You start seeing them like relax finally. And they're like, they even say like, Oh, I'm shocked that I'm able to get this deep. And it's just like, yeah, it's just something you have to like get the, like the moving groove down with it from there. Once I kind of get them used to it, uh, we do do things like uh, Jefferson curls. Obviously, you know, I start all the kids pretty light. I show them like the technique, like the cues that I want them to hit. Uh, but that's been huge in terms of like improving hamstring flexibility, getting that low back to kind of like chill out on a lot of our kids. Cause a lot of them have that same thing that I did. Like they would do compound mo- movements and they would tell me like they would avoid them because their low backs would freeze up on them. And I think a lot of that is just like, it's just like, our body, like we've been told so much, like, don't go into this. And so like, like subconsciously, like our body, like has heard that so many times that it won't allow you to get into that position just because like, 
oh, if I go here, I'm going to get hurt. And it literally starts like manifesting itself as pain. And so it's literally just like teaching your body that, hey, we're safe here. Like we're not doing anything crazy. You know, we're not like have Jefferson curl, like 225 pounds. Like I'm literally having the kids do like 20, 25 pounds at most starting off just so like they can ease into that position. Um, so that's like the main thing for spinal flexion extension. I like to have them do where they hold med balls. They go next to this padded wall that we have. And I just have them extend back and try to have their head touch the wall. Obviously they can start as close to the wall to feel comfortable, but you'd be surprised like towards the end of the session, like kids are trying to see how far they can get away from the wall to have their head touch. And, you know, they're basically like doing like full suplexes at the end of it where they would have never even imagined uh, for lateral flexion, I do a lot of like staggered stance, like side bends, um, just really trying to get as deep as they can with it. That's where a lot of kids I find are super tight is like that's lateral flexion. Um, once they start to get comfortable with that, I like them to kind of do like dead hang lateral flexions where they're holding onto the bar with one hand and they kind of get their feet off as far to the side and they're trying to curve their body as much as possible. You feel a great stretch like through the lats, um, that, that whole oblique. Um, like that whole like fascial sling basically is getting a nice stretch. And that's kind of like been the one thing I've been experimenting with the most is just like getting kids to get into that position. And obviously, you know, if a kid says, Hey coach, I don't feel comfortable doing this yet. Um, I don't force them into it. I have them just do like an alternative where, you know, they're still working the position, but it's at a, you know, a slightly less intensive uh, like uh, stimulus. So those are just kind of some of the ideas like that I've been like bouncing around and I'm not saying like, I haven't figured it out yet. Like from last year to this year, I've changed so much and I anticipate the same thing to be next year where I'm looking back at this being like, Oh, like I should have been doing this. I could have been doing this, but um, yeah, it's just like been a constant, like learning journey, kind of seeing how the kids react to it, what they like, what they don't like, and just trying to get them to buy in as much as possible with it. Yeah, that, that that's freaking awesome. Like you said, like the progression, but just sprinkling it in for them is, is so helpful. Like just even just touching that. And I think that's a good thing for a lot of coaches listening. Like just just give you one yourself as a coach a taste of it. Like maybe it is just Dr. Tom's spinal flows. Like just give yourself a taste of it. Give your give your athletes just a taste of it. And then from there, you'll learn and progress and and, and really start to realize what's working, what's not. Um, but just that taste is even game changer. Like I was the same way starting off with mine was just literally gymnastic, like base, basic ass gymnastics and Dr. Tom Tan, uh, spinal flow. And then from there, everything took off because the results that those two simple things got me and how low hanging those fruits were for me. And then those, everything took off from there. I'm like, oh, I can add in all of these different aspects and really progress and load all of these things, which, which was really cool for me. Um, with that, how how often are you doing this? Is this something that you're doing every session? Is it like like how are how are you programming this for the coaches that that haven't done this? Are you doing Doctor Tom? Is your warm up every day a Doctor Tom's spinal flow? Are you is some days your your flexion extension? Some days your 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 side bending? Like like how are you approaching that in in your actual program? Yeah, so I would say for like the warm up, I pretty much always have that spinal flow included. Um, we might do other things on top of it, but. That's just like a really good way, especially I have to I have to remember, like these kids have been sitting in desks for like eight hours during the day. And so it's just a good way once they get into the weight room, kind of to wake up, you know, kind of just get the body moving a little bit. But each day is, you know, some form of spinal movement, whether it's like dead hangs, like that lateral flexion or extension, trying to arch the low back. Um, 
like I always just try to have something. It's probably not as like, you know, periodized as I could have it, but I don't think that's like the way to really go mm -hmm. about it because, you know, I've like quickly found out, like I can think I have the best workout like plan for these kids, but you know, if they're not invested, if they're not having fun, like and their intent is low, the results just go straight out the window. And it's like, I probably could have gotten more results just having these kids do like, uh, like, like some of the stuff you do, like playing games and stuff. And so that was like the biggest eye opener. Uh, so like I said, I have like things like strategically placed in the workout. So they're hitting positions, but at the same time, I also have other things that keep them engaged, keep them having fun. Uh, it's like funny how much like buying I get from kids just when I throw in like some barbell 21s where like they're getting a sick pump, like, you know, they're having a blast with it. But then like right after they're doing some of this spinal movement and, you know, previously they might've been like, what is this coach? Like, I don't understand why we're doing this, but now they're not even questioning because they're already having like a good time of the workout. So that's been like the biggest eye opener, but yeah, each, each workout and in season, we only get to work out with the kids one time a week. Um, you know, I wish maybe we could have gone like two times a week, but at the end of the day, like they don't need, you know, to be going crazy in the weight room. I'm, I'm fine with it, but yeah, each day we're getting at least, or each time in the weight room, we're getting some form of spinal movement. That's awesome. And and while we're on the spine, one of the things I really loved about your training was your neck training and, and the, the specific neck training that you implement with, with your wrestlers. And I think that's such a huge part, especially with the, the, the concussion, issues that you see in soccer and football where we have a lot of coaches listening um that are coaching those sports and then obviously just in wrestling even if you're not going for concussions it's such like a it's such a physically demand like you're, you're getting your head snapped all the time you have maybe at the neck bridge out of a position but like a neck is an actual muscle you need to build in wrestling for not just injury prevention but actually sports performance in the sport itself which is probably a probably the only sport that's kind of like that um how do you go about training the neck and what are some of your things that you're looking for in neck training and, and why, like what, what, what are your principles behind training the neck and, and why do you feel it's so important? Yeah. So like you said, like the concussion is a big thing, especially like amongst the coaches, we understand that's why we're really having the kids do it because last season we had a lot of kids have to sit out just because, you know, they get in on a shot, they catch a knee to the head or something, and then they have to sit out for a few weeks and that definitely like hinders the flow of their progress and so um, when I saw all that happening last year, I was like, I knew I knew I had to make more of an emphasis in the weight room about it. Um, obviously, like in our warmups, we're always having the kids do neck bridges and mm -hmm. just like the very traditional um, like wrestler neck workouts. But when I started to like incorporate it um, initially, I was telling them, like, hey, we're doing this because like we're trying to have concussion prevention. And honestly, most of the kids just like, don't care about that. Like they don't think like, Hey, like, yeah, I'm going to get concussed or something. It's like one of those things like, Oh, it's not going to happen to me. But as soon as I kind of relate it back to like, Hey, we're doing this. So like when you're on your back, you can get into a neck bridge and you're gonna feel perfectly safe. And you're not going to have like, like coach K like getting in your face about like, Hey, why did you just give up that pin? Um, I try to relate it back to the sport as much as possible. What you said, like you're getting your head snapped down all those kids after that first week of wrestling knew exactly what I meant. Like when I said like your neck is going to be like, like kind of like trashed at the end of this week, like where you're like going to have a hard time moving. You're going to feel super stiff. And so when I related it back to things that they were familiar with, um, they were very like understanding as to why we're doing this, how this benefits the sport. Um, so like I said, during practices, we're having them do neck bridges, things of that sort. 
obviously with like the Tommy John spinal flow, you have your neck movements in there. That's like a good way of just kind of loosening everything up. Like I said, after like a long day of school, but then in turn of like other movements, a lot of it is like, just like ISO movements. So like, whether it's like on a bench, like kneeling, so it's a little bit less intensive or they're doing it on a wall, but they're just working that four way neck. So like extension flexion, then the lateral flexion of the neck. And um, a lot of time with the ISO movements, for the neck, I, I start pretty like conservative with them where it's just like 30 second bouts. But as a lot of kids like start to develop with it, I'll just tell them like, Hey, like just see how long you can go. Obviously don't push it too much, but like, um, like really try to like develop some mental fortitude with it and like, see what you can get with it. And a lot of kids even tell me like, uh, they'll do it after practice. Like some of those like ISO neck bridges, just because they have found how much it alleviates neck pain, like the mm-hmm. next day. So they're starting to kind of realize obviously it has its benefits in the sports, but then it also has its benefits in terms of just like feeling overall good. So that's kind yeah. of where we've been at right now getting it. I've tried like things like the iron neck and I think the iron neck is cool, but I just don't know how realistic it is to have like a group of like 60 kids, like doing iron necks and stuff in our weight room. And our weight room is already so small as it is. Um, but those are like just like the really simple movements, Tommy John spinal flow, and then like ISO bridges with our neck. That's kind of where we're at. Yeah, those are great. And you talked about the feeling after an ISO neck. Like anybody that hasn't done one of those before, like go and do it. Like it, it, even if you're not in wrestling, it feels so good when you're done with one of those. Yeah. And build building some of that up. Um, so you talked about progressing with with, with time. Uh, is there is there anything you're doing weighted wise other than the ISOs that uh because this is something that I've been trying to do because I've been in a similar boat of progress with body weight and progress like a lot of times, like even just going in a neck bridge for a typical athlete, like football players, your progression is getting them, getting their hands off the ground and just going into a neck bridge or going into a neck roll around where you start on the back and get to the front. Um, but I've been thinking about other ways of like, even in that neck, I still holding a dumbbell and trying to weight it or just change the intensity rather than just changing time or changing the ability and a lot of partner snaps. And, and obviously you're getting that in wrestling, which, which is really nice, but doing partner snaps for fo- football players uh, or even uh, like a quasi. So you're working through the range of motion with time under tension with somebody pushing your neck through. Have you found other ways to load the intensity aspect of the neck bridge or not, not the neck bridge, but just the neck uh, and push the intensity side of that? Yeah, that's definitely something I've also struggled with. Um, we have had a few kids, you know, who feel very comfortable with the movement, kind of do what you said, where they'll hold a dumbbell against their chest when, you know, they're doing the neck bridge on the bench. Um, but that's definitely even something I've been kind of working around. I've even been experimenting where, you know, you just have like your neck over the edge of a bench and you put the dumbbell on the back of it and just use it to like flex and extend. Um, but a lot of it's just what you're saying, like, if they are in like a front bridge or a back bridge, like a neck bridge, taking those hands away and like really trying to like push their range of motion as far as they can tolerate it safely. Um, But yeah, that's where like, I I do have a hard time like loading up the neck and getting them to do it. But for most kids, they're so deconditioned and Mm -hmm. they have such like weak upper bodies, like their upper back, their neck that um, honestly, it hasn't been too big of an issue yet in terms of like a kid gets to a point and like, like he needs to progress more. Like we haven't had that issue. So um, if anything else, like I've been also a huge fan of like, just like spamming shrugs like crazy with our kids, Um, just developing those traps at upper back. uh, That's also been like a a big game changer for a lot of our kids. Um, 
And like, I show them pictures of Yoel Romero and I'm like, this is what I want you to look like. Like, tell me that that dude doesn't look intimidating, that he doesn't have a strong neck. I mean, Yoel Romero has literally had like neck surgery, I'm pretty sure. And you wouldn't even imagine it with the way that dude moves in the, in the octagon and especially when he was wrestling. So uh, yeah, it hasn't been too big of an issue in terms of not being able to load it enough with our kids. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point with some of the uh, the wrestlers and, and fighters you see out there. Some of the most ridiculous traps you'll ever see in your life. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to bring it back to earlier on. You mentioned how you switched from soccer to wrestling. And, and most people look at soccer as one of the most cardio demanding sports mm-hmm. that there is. And this is something that I, I think is going to be a great point to cover with you is you have all these coaches talking about running and even in wrestling, it's like, go run more. And obviously there is an aerobic base you can develop, but like that, that's like, we're going to run more to stay conditioned. And it's like, you can run all you want. You did run as much as you want. Like you played soccer. That's going to be the most, most running you can do other than maybe long distance. You get to moving another human and it is, it is a total different beast. Cardio wise, you you have so many different aspects that go into it. Like your movements, if your movements aren't efficient, it's going to cost you more energy to do it. So like, that's going to demand more on your cardio system. If you're psychologically not comfortable there, you're going to burn a lot there. And just the muscles that are required to move through are way different than running, but you still have these. And I know it's bad in wrestling, but it's also bad in baseball. And it's also terrible in football to where they, they'll have them run gassers and, and like sprint to condition them for the for their sport and then their sport is they're an offense and defense alignment where they're required to move somebody and i always remember training i was a defense lineman in college i remember training we do these four quarter workouts and we do all these like tempo runs and sprints and i get to my first game or first practice where i'm required to move somebody i get so fucking gas like it did not help at all really i mean obviously more than the person not training but like it was not like i was built and i was like as, as soon as i got out of college i thought it was like of course I suck at moving somebody. I'm getting gassed at moving somebody. I'm not moving somebody. And I wanted the quotes that you mentioned too, is like, if you want to get better at wrestling, you should go wrestle a lot. And I think that kind of ties in here. If you want to get better at moving somebody, you should move a lot. But what's kind of your approach to that cardio aspect? And why do we miss that so much when, and when it is obvious to us, like when we go into a sport and we've done all this training and then we still get there and we're, we're gassed when it's a total a different demand on the body. Yeah. A lot of it's just like, it's just been so ingrained in the wrestling culture that like, cardio kills if you want like a good cardio base like you just got to go out and do really long distance runs and like you said like that first year wrestling I can remember my first wrestling match I thought I had amazing cardio and after the first flurry like 30 seconds into the match I felt like I was going to throw up because I was so exhausted and obviously other things play into it like nerves and stuff but yeah figuring out how to move a human being is not an easy task. It takes so many reps and just like, just like time in those positions to really figure it out. Um, So yeah, that, that mindset. And that's like this thing I try to work on with the kids. Like they'll tell me like, Oh, like this weekend I ran like 10 miles and stuff. And then they're kind of complaining about, they have like aches and pains. And I'm like, like, Oh, like you haven't been listening to what I've been saying the past like few months that we've been working together. Um, but that post that I made about like, like doing a little bit less long distance running more like short duration, like high intensity stuff definitely stirred up like a lot of uh, attention among some people, like a lot of people in the comments saying like, Oh no, like I do all this running and I have amazing cardio. And then obviously there were people agreeing, but um, yeah, it's, it's just such a heated topic because, you know, whenever you have like a form of training, 
you get very emotionally attached with it. If it works for you, you think it's like the bread and butter and everyone should be doing it. And then someone, you know, kind of has a differing opinion on it. It It's like, they're almost like attacking you in a sense. And so uh, I think a lot of it's just like an emotional response of people. Like I've done this, like it works, like, like, why aren't you doing this? Um, but like you said, like, if you want to get better conditioning for wrestling, you just have to wrestle. And our kids are seeing it now. Like we have probably like a month left with our freshmen and they're looking the best that they ever have in their matches. You know, they're wrestling all six minutes, you know, they're leaving the mat with like a good amount of energy versus that first duel. You know, they're all coming over to us, like barely able to stand up. And I, sh- I show them, I was like, we haven't been doing any running, but your cardio is getting better. Like, do you kind of see what we've been talking about? Like of like, not having to do insane amounts of running and like some of the kids are definitely like catching on to it and others are still like having that mindset. And it's like, it's like a lot of their parents, if they were like former wrestlers, like they just kind of reinforce those old habits into them. Um, And I've even, I even said in my posts, like with long endurance, like conditioning, whether it's swimming, biking, running, there is like a mental, like, like edge that you get of like, Hey, if I can run for like an hour straight, I can do a six minute wrestling match, but if you feel like you need to put that much volume into your system to, you know, compete well in a match, like there's probably other like low hanging fruits that you could be working on that you're still going to get those benefits without having to dedicate so much time to something that is putting a lot of stress on the system. And like I said, like towards the end of the season, like you're naturally going to be beat up from wrestling and kids that like are having knee issues, ankle issues, like shin splints. And it's like, well, what are you doing? Like on the weekends? Like if you're like just getting an extra workout and it's like, Oh, I ran six miles. And it's like, it's like, this is probably why like a lot of like the issues that you're having is like, this is like the main thing. It's not just because of wrestling. So um, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be something that takes time to kind of like get out of like, just like the habit of in terms of like the wrestling culture. But I think more people are starting to kind of realize that it's not like the end all be all for cardio. Like I said, like Penn state, you don't see those guys doing long distance runs or anything. They're literally doing their warm up, having fun with it. And then they're just wrestling. And those guys are literally the best in the country. So, and you would think like teams would start kind of paying attention to what the best team in the country is doing, but (laughs) so many teams are just so hard nosed. And a lot of that is the coaching staff, but, um, yeah, it's it's something that like I think is such a simple change that would make such a big difference. But like I said, wrestlers are just very hard headed. Like they have what they think works, and you know whatever someone else says, they don't they don't give a crap about it. Yeah, yeah, and that's I like you said. You would think they would pay attention to what the number one team in the country does, and it's just totally like again, it's another paradox not explored that's right in front of our eyes. And it, it's yeah. kind of interesting too because wrestling, and, and this is maybe it's maybe it's different. I don't have I don't have a ton of schools that looked at it wrestling, but my high school wrestling experience, what they did a, an amazing job of was basically small sided games working on different aspects of wrestling. And it was one of the first, and I didn't realize it then. I was in high school, I had no idea what the fuck was happening, but I'm like, wow, this is. I, I always look back. I'm like, wow, this was set up so good. It was like small side of games in which they're constrained to work on certain skills. Uh, you're only using one hand. You're only doing certain moves. Um, but then also a small side of game in which you're constrained to. Um, we are conditioning in this aspect. I, I don't know the game where it's basically like you have one guy stay in the circle and you just keep doing takedowns with the same guy rotating in um, where one guy does a takedown. Another guy comes in, you do another takedown. But basically yep. it's like a 
it, it it's conditioning. It's a small side of game focused on conditioning, but conditioning in the aspect of wrestling. So it's like it, wrestling has the concepts there. They have the concepts to now we're working on skill. Now we're working on conditioning in the aspect of like uh, as bad as it's sports specific conditioning, like re, like wrestling, you're wrestling, but now we're going to wrestle either for longer durations or we're going to wrestle in um like more bouts than you would wrestle there. And that's how we're going to build our cardio. And I just, I just thought that was amazing when I look back on it. I was like, wow, they had all these small side of games and they have the knowledge there. But yet it's still like you're working on that conditioning aspect there. And it's almost tough because you're working on a conditioning aspect there. So then you feel like your kids are getting conditioned. Um, And they are. You step on the mat and by the end of the year, they, they're wrestling throughout the whole thing. So you have to confirm. But while you're doing that, you're also running them. And they're so scared to let go of the thing because at the end of the year, the product is right, but it could, you know, it probably is, it's despite of the running, you know, like you're just doing so much good stuff in the wrestling room and so much good stuff in the weight room. And it's despite of the running and despite of this like mental toughness training that you do, but they're so scared to let go of something that, that, that kind of got them there rather than looking at it objectively of like, we are really, really, really good wrestling coaches. And we know how to create small sided games that allow us to constrain our athletes to work on the skill sets we want to work on. And they're unable to like, look at it that way. And they just feel like they need to throw everything at the athlete and pray that everything works. Yeah, that's so true. Um, I think like, some of the stuff you're referring to, like the games, I think that was one of the best things like our high school did was our warmups. A lot of it were, you know, quote unquote games, but it was working specific like aspects of wrestling. So, you know, we do foot tag, a knee tag, um, like, like, like tails, like where you're trying to like move around, like, like get, get to your opponent's tail and stuff. Um, And so, like you said, you're working conditioning, but for those kids, you're not thinking that it's conditioning. You're just having a blast with it. You have an objective of I, I'm trying to beat my partner. And yeah, that probably is better conditioning than, yeah, just having kids oh, line up on the wall like we're doing sprints. Like each kid, when they hear that, it's just a collective like, oh, my God, like you literally see it in their faces like like they're just like. Like, oh, here we go again versus like, hey, like uh, find a partner. We're going to do foot tag. And like everyone's just like they're starting to talk crap with one another. Like, oh, <laughs> today. And yeah, they're getting fired up about it. And you're so right. Like people misconstrue like the conditioning from those games being probably the main factor to, oh, like we're so well conditioned because we have them do all these like sprints and long distance runs when it's like, no, dude, like you're definitely missing like the idea here that that's not what's giving your kids like this really good base of cardio. It's, it's all the drilling that you're doing. It's the games it's breaking down positions. So like kids get really refined in their movements. And when they get in on shots, they're not being efficient. They're not wasting energy. Like they're getting to the positions that they need to. And you know, they're, they're doing well, they're not wasting any energy. Yeah. And it's for some reason, it's really hard for coaches to see the work being done when there's a smile on the kid's face, you know, like, it's like, if there's not a smile, if there's a smile on a kid's face, there can't be work being done. And it's like, that's uh, like, man, it's like a small side of games in any aspect. You're, you're getting all these change of directions for, like, I'm talking about football now, like mm -hmm. all these change of directions, all, all of this agility work, all this speed work you have. I got 15, 20 yard XLs in this small side of game, but they're smiling. So they don't like compute that as volume or anything. And the same thing you got 20, like uh 20 partner pickups in the, in the, like uh this foot tag game or something along those lines or 20, mm -hmm. uh 20 minutes of grappling done in, in these small side of games that you work on, but they're smiling. So it doesn't compute as knowledge. Whereas if you put them on the wall and now they're starting to frown and like, it's, it's serious work now. It's like, man, it's yeah. the body doesn't know, you know, like, 
the body, the physical body does not know the difference between work being done in fun and work being done in in serious like mode you know like the the work is just being done you're getting 20 minutes of grappling done there that that's amazing for cardio for a sport that's going to require that long of grappling you know so i i just feel like we construed we we misconstrued it a lot when there's a smile on the athlete's face yeah and our our freshman head coach like said it best he's like he's like we have the most fun out of all these teams that like when we go to tournaments like our kids are always the ones like having a good time, laughing, like joking around with one another, working hard. And then you look at these other schools and like these kids just like, you start to think like, I don't know how much longer like this freshman is going to stay with this sport just because you see how their coach is getting on them. And yeah, especially with just like getting kids interested in the sport and really buying into it. Like, yeah, dude, like it's all right for them to say that they have fun at wrestling. Like they don't need to say like, Oh, this is miserable. Yeah. It's a hard sport. Like they'll tell you that, but everything that you can do to like make them enjoy it. Like you should be doing like, that's, what's going to get them to buy in. That's what's going to get them to give like their 100% effort. And we tell our kids like at the beginning of the year, you know, we, our kids usually like struggle against certain teams, but we tell them like, Hey, just keep putting in the work, like, like have faith in us of what we're having you do and it will pay off. And you see teams like the teams, like we, that we might've lost to at the beginning of the year, they're not, we're not losing to them at the end of the year because our kids are having a blast. They're, you know, developing in the way that, you know, a wrestler probably should develop. It's not just like this grind and grind every single day that those other schools are probably having their kids go through. And so, you know, we tell them you might not see the results now, but like you stick with this, keep having a good time. Like you will be like a stud at the end of the year. And yeah. I think that's where our freshman head coach does a great job in terms of developing our, our wrestlers. Well, especially like it's it's not even that, that that one year is important too, but it's like, man, if you can get a kid to show up, especially in high school, you get a kid to show up for four years and you have yeah. like, like I know one of the biggest stats in high school is like the amount of seniors you have on a team that were with you for four years is is mm -hmm. usually high predictor of success for victories because you, you literally you have an 18 year old versus a the, like what 14 year old in high school. Like that's yeah. a massive physical difference. But you get a guy that you can develop for four years that shows up to practice and you just don't have that in high school sports a lot of times because the coaches are pushing the kid to hate the sport, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, they don't want to show up to practice. They're going to quit the sport. Whereas if you have 30, 30 freshmen showing up to wrestling and you get all 30 of them to love it and you graduate with a, obviously this is ideal number, but like graduate a 30, uh, um, uh, class of 30 seniors, like that you developed for four years, like you, you were going to have an, an amazing team off of that. Just the four year development. And that's something that's like, we got to look at this in long term. It's like, I've seen so many athletes just completely change. And this was in the college sector, just in where the physical development is at least like more done than it is in the high school sector, but completely changed from freshman year to senior year. And all of it was, was like, they just had to stick through it. Like they had to stick through it and work at their sport and find some sort of thing that got them to show up to practice for four years. And by the time they're a senior, they're a totally different athlete and a totally different human. And if you can do that for, as much of your team as you can because they enjoy showing up to practice, you're going to have a pretty sweet team, especially in high school where that physical, mental, and sport development is so much faster and so much more rapid than college. Yeah, I think that's like my senior. I think we why we had such a successful team was because, like I said, our coaches like valued like not just like running us into the ground every day. Like we had good times and that's why like our senior class, we had like 16 guys like mm -hmm. graduate our senior year. Like, 
And yeah, it's no shock that like we had such a successful season, like taking a freshman all the way to a senior and like having those same guys stick together, you know, compete with one another. You start to like grow like this bond that's like inseparable, like where you're relying on someone else, but they're also relying on you. And so that like pushes you to continue to work hard when you know that like, because yeah, wrestling is an individual sport, but it's also a very like, people don't think it's a team sport, but it is because you know, you're going in day in and day out with like the same guys over and over. You're spending so much time with them. Um, and yeah, if you develop those guys in the correct way, and obviously that's easier said than done, but if you're able to find that formula and you get guys to stick together for four years, like, yeah, the things you, you can accomplish are like, it's awesome. It's, yeah. it's really cool to see. And that's what we're trying to get um, at the high school I'm working at right now. That's what we're trying to really instill with the kids. Like, you know, stay consistent with it. Like encourage like your buddies to stay with it. Like, the bigger group that we can get that sticks together, like you would be shocked by your guys' junior and senior years, like what you're capable. Yeah, absolutely. That That's freaking awesome. And la last thing I want to cover with you in the sports performance world is I, I see you doing a lot of a lot of different styles of lifts and a lot of different ways of loading the lifts. And, and I, I I see that in in the world of wrestling where you're required to pick people up in a ton of different ways. What's kind of your thought process in adding the variety in your strength training, not just in all these other aspects, but in your strength training variety there like what what's your what's your thought process adding that in yeah so with wrestling like obviously the goal is to like learn how to like manipulate an individual's body like to your advantage in the mat and lifting weights is kind of a similar thing like you're finding what's the most efficient way to move this weight from point a to point b and when you expose yourself to like a lot of variations you know you can still be hitting your bread and butter of like all right squat deadlift bench but if you just throw some variations on it doing that alone will like like i've never seen like you you kind of opened my eyes to this in terms of like changing the variations on like the the conventional lifts and when i started doing that i was like shocked how much like my conventional numbers started to go up just by adding variation to it this idea that like oh like we have to do like uh, like tempo squats, like at this pace for like three weeks in a row, then we're going to deload them. Then we'll add a different variation. Like kids, first off, high school kids hate that. Like if you have them do the same workout three or four weeks in a row, they're not going to want to lift at all. But when you just add a little bit of a change to it, like, hey, guys, instead of, uh, you know, like uh, front squats today, we're doing some zerchers. Instead of zerchers, we're doing back squat. But, you know, we're going to have an oscillation at the bottom. Um that like that sense of like, because like I said, most of these kids have never lifted before. And so everything is new to them, but even just adding that variation, they start to look forward to it. Like, Hey coach, like what's the new thing we're doing this week. Um, they really start to buy into it and unintentionally, like they don't realize it, but like you're obviously doing it for specific reasons. But um, that's why like, I've just valued the variation so much because for so long I just did you know, back squat. And then I would wonder why hasn't my squat improved in the past few months? And it's because I've been doing the same thing over and over. And yeah, I'd be trying to add on five pounds each week, but you know, I, I would have made so much more progress had I just, you know, switched up the very, it's something so simple, but um, it take, it took me so long to realize that, that yeah, variation has valuable like input in terms of just overall athletics, but for wrestling specifically, because you have no idea what, position you're going to get put into wrestling each time you step out onto the mat and so if you just kind of have that like general like like just like neurological like like data built up like in the weight room like 
just such a simple thing can just add that like little confidence boost that like, all right, I'm in this position. It's weird, but I've been in weird positions in the weight room that were new novel experiences. And, you know, I was able to work through that and it's just going to be the same thing out on the mat. Yeah, that's freaking awesome. Adding those movement options in. And it's really, it was really eye opening and easy for me to adjust to that because I come from a really blue collar, like farming and construction based um, background. And I would have all these like, all my buddies that were farming and I work construction since I've been five, all of them are working farming since they've been five, but you're picking up these weird objects in different ways and shoveling in different ways and doing all this stuff. And we'd walk into the weight room and you'd have part of the town was like just non, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have any, any background in the the blue collarness. They weren't, they were, they were just, they didn't farm or they didn't do construction. And every time we'd go into the weight room and it would be like the kids, you could tell the kids that were farmers and the kids that were construction instantly because they were just so much stronger in the base lifts instantly. And so I was like, and I didn't realize again that at the time of what that was, but it's like, man, we're, we're so scared to load in all these different ways and doing this. But I was like, I grew up with kids that did that every single day, like loading in totally different ways, picking up awkward shit all the time and doing this. And now they walk into a weight room. And this is where I've been really thinking about this recently is like, that general aspect funnels into the specific way more than the specific funnels into the general. And so like you get a kid that's super strong with the barbell and they've spent so much time in the barbell that doesn't necessarily transfer out to really anything else other than the barbell and the movement solution of salt. They've got really good at solving the movement problem of the barbell or somebody that gets really good at solving the movement problem of just moving things, moving awkward objects, moving barbells in different positions, that is going to transition into the barbell and they're going to make progress in the barbell as well as expanding it to moving a person, moving something on the field, moving an implement. And that that's something that I saw all the time growing up. And I just didn't really even make that connection until after I started this podcast and I had a couple coaches on tell me like, hey, just start to implement some of these different varieties, start to implement, just watch what happens. And it's also Rob Gray talks about it and how we learn to move. It's like adding in these different options, like makes you like let you have less injuries and you feel better because you're overloading things way less often. Like you're not squatting in the same pattern every single time. You're just working a different muscle in a different way. And maybe it's a little, maybe you can only the uh, Zercher 365 when you could have got a load of 405 on your body, but you're, you're loading different muscles in different ways. And now you're less beat up and, and you feel better leaving that squat session. And next time you go back to the barbell squat, maybe the limiting factor of your barbell squat was a muscle that you worked in that Zercher squat. And now you go back to the barbell squat and you can do 415, which we've seen all the time. And I'm sure you have too. Yeah. That's been like a really cool thing to see in the weight room where, you know, we have, Obviously, you know, kids of all different backgrounds coming into us, um, you know, powerlifting is a pretty popular thing right now. So a lot of kids that we come in that, you know, are quote unquote stronger kids, you know, I've been doing the the three big conventional lifts for, you know, the past few years. And yeah, initially starting off, they are the strongest kids in the weight room. But those active kids that like have just been doing, you know, multiple sports, like you said, like they might have like some like, you know even just like outdoor labor jobs, like you said, whether it's, you know, working at the park district or stuff like that. Um, those kids, they might not be the strongest at the start of the season, but you know, when you start to give them all those different like variations, um, they have no issue like switching it up versus that powerlifting kid is like, kind of like, well, you know, I, I usually do it like this. Like, can I do it my way? And it's like, like, nah, man, just like give it a shot. And you really see the gears turning for them. You can tell that they're super uncomfortable versus, those active kids, like you tell them like, Hey, like try this out. They're like, all right. Yeah. And they're, they're super gun ho on giving it a shot. And those are the kids that usually end up performing better on the mat because they just like get into like this, like 
like flow state of like, yeah, like this is a new thing, but like I'm I'm gonna have no problem like getting into it versus those powerlifting kids. Like you kind of have to teach them to relax and just kind of like like let go of the constraints that they've like put on themselves, like from just like like all right, for powerlifting, I have to stay like super tight and compact and I have to, you know, follow these cues and yeah, those different variations just kind of it takes them a time, but it teaches them to just kind of let go of those constraints that they've like placed on their body and their mind. Yeah, that's freaking awesome. All right. Well, that 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 smack for the combat sport athletes training. That that was freaking that lived up to the hype there. We got a lot of gold there. I want to dive into just just for briefly, just for coaches, because this is something that I've been getting a ton of questions on recently. And young coaches getting into the field or older coaches trying to get like keep up with the technology and everything that's going on and trying to build a business and trying to maybe make some money or just trying to get their ideas out there or just grow a social media presence. And something you've done a really nice job of is growing your TikTok and growing your Instagram and growing those two things together and creating content. And I just love to bump some ideas back on you with maybe some ways people can get started, how you got started, like how you go about content creation. Um, some of the things like TikTok versus Instagram, and these maybe these are like kind of sell out like influencer things, but I think they're really important in the field that complains about not making money and not being able to build a business or build anything sustainable about it. This is stuff that I think is is a lot of gold that listeners should probably take a lot out of. And I get ton of questions on so how did you get started in the social media aspect and how do you go about content creation yeah so for the longest time i like i obviously i grew up you know i watched like all the big youtubers and stuff of like especially in the fitness world and i always thought like oh it'd be so cool to do something like that but that fear of like judgment held me back for so long um even like after college like on my instagram it was just like people who I knew in high school, but I hadn't talked to for like the past few years. And that like fear of like, what are these people going to think about me? Like, Oh, they're going to think it's like, so like cringe that I'm like posting lifting workouts. Um, You have to just like, like come to a point where it's like, yeah, people are probably going to hate on it. People are probably going to think it's stupid, but like, like with anything, you just have to like, you just have to start, you have to start wherever that may be, whether it's just, you know, posting on your stories um, you know, that might be a little bit less intimidating, but then like eventually dude, just like, just go out and do it. And who cares like what people think? And that's, that's eventually like how I kind of like, just like I bit the bullet. Like my first video I posted on TikTok, I look back at it. And I'm like, you could tell I was like, super timid in my, like my voice. I was kind of whispering into the mic. Um, I wasn't assertive in what I was saying, but it was like the first, like the first like stepping stone. And then from there, it's like anything you start to learn, like, all right, people like this, people don't like this. Um, and you know, I found a lot of success on TikTok initially. Um, but I've kind of started to move away from TikTok and kind of more go towards Instagram just because, uh, TikTok, it like values like short form content and the, the stuff I was doing right off the rip was very like, you know, if you have, back pain, do this exercise. If you have knee pain, do this exercise. And the more I've kind of grown as a coach, like I've realized that like the human body is so much more complex than just saying, Hey, do this one exercise and you're going to feel better. Um, there's so many factors that play into it. And, you know, just to say, do this one exercise, it's almost like insulting to like how amazing our body is and how complex it is. And so I've gradually started to move away from TikTok, um, just because like I said, it doesn't align with my values of like how, if you are making like content and everyone's going to be different, but the way I view content now is like, I kind of want to go more in depth. I want to explain things like elaborate on ideas that I just didn't feel like TikTok as a platform um, is like a, is like a conductive like outlet for that. And, 
you know, guys like yourself, like Trevor, like funk, like medicine through movement. Like I read your guys's captions and I would just get so inspired. And I'm like, I'm like, this is like, I resonate so much with this. And it's like, I want to start kind of like getting into more of like, cause like lifting, yeah, it's physical, but it's also like very mental. Like it is like, in a sense, like spiritual for some people. And that's the kind of the way I've looked at it. It's become such a big part of my life that uh, I want to like elaborate on some of those thoughts and ideas. And I feel like Instagram is a little bit better of a platform where you can have a really long description and, you know, the average person on Instagram, I feel like is willing to kind of sit down and read that versus on TikTok. It's like, if you don't get to the point in the first three seconds, like they're swiping on and you're not really connecting with anyone on there. So yeah, for anyone who's like interested in it, just understand, yeah, you're going to get a lot of hate, especially, you know, if you're putting forth like ideas that you believe in, but they aren't the, you know, traditional ideas, be prepared for that hate. Um, And, you know, just don't let people bring you down because I remember on my first like TikTok video that went like semi-viral, there was a bunch of people that are like commenting really good things, but I did nothing but focus on all the negative ones. And I even started questioning. I was like, Oh, maybe these people are right. Maybe this is stupid what I'm doing. It's like, like, dude, you're missing like all the comments that are saying, Hey, like I've given this shot. I actually really like it. Like, I appreciate the advice. Like you've helped me out a lot and yeah, just, just ignore that negativity. Cause it's going to be there regardless, you know, of, what you post like there's always going to be someone that has to be a contrarian yeah yeah that, that that's freaking awesome uh and you you talked about the the balance you talked about how switching over from tiktok to instagram and, and it is kind of like that it's always that balance of like grabbing attention so people like get the message across without like going so short form that it, it's all just kind of that sellout marketing aspect and like trying to find that 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 the artwork between the two i i think is super cool like i, I geek out on that it's like how do you because if people are not listening to your message, it doesn't matter how good the message is if they're not listening to it. So part of your job is to get people to listen to your message. Like, how do you do that? How do you how do you go about grabbing attention just enough to get them to listen to your message and, and go through there and want to listen to your message? And I, 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 I freaking love that part and the balance there. I'm always interested in in coaches like yourself where, where you're working and expanding on all these ideas. And you talked about wanting to get more spiritual into it or just more just deeper into like how how you explain things or go about things or just look at the body. What's your process of content creation and just your videos like your videos are really, really cool, too. It's it's like that. That's a different thing, too. It's like some people are very, very like I'm I'm a word guy. I like writing. Some people are very verbal and in front of the camera. Some people are very visual and they're really good at the visual part. And you do a really nice job with the, the visual part specifically, like making a cool video. Like that's an art piece like that. That's part of the art. How do you go about that content creation part? Do you, do you have a, like a ritual? Does an idea pop in your head and you go about creating it? What's the actual process like for you doing that? Yeah. So it's something that you just like eventually like you'll find what people kind of gravitate towards. And it's something that you're going to have to work on, grow on. Um, you see what people kind of like vibe with what they don't vibe with. And so, um, you know, each time I make a post, like I kind of see, all right, like, did that hit, like, like, did people like that or did they not really resonate with it? And so a lot of it is just like learning from your previous posts. Um, yeah, I, like you said, like I I've always kind of enjoyed just like making it more of like, like if I was a viewer, like what would I find interesting to kind of grab my attention? And um, I always thought like, you know, when I'm watching sports, like I see the positions that guys get into and I like kind of tying that back to like, okay, this is kind of why we're doing this movement or this is the thought behind it. And that gets people to kind of see the whole big picture because 
when you just see a movement like that you're doing in the gym, it's hard to see like, how does this benefit me in my sport? Um, and so by just by having a few of those clips and, you know, obviously I love watching wrestling. Like um, I have like so many matches, like just in the back of my head that like, I'm always thinking about like, Oh, like I remember when this guy got into this position and I, now that like, I'm starting to get this knowledge of like how we can apply that in the weight room. Um, I'm just kind of going back, finding those clips and then implementing it. Um, that's kind of like what I've been doing. And, you know, I've always liked like some form of art, like throughout my entire life. Like, um, I, I used to draw a lot. I, I don't do it anymore. I probably should because it was such a big part of my life. Um, you know, I played the cello from like fourth grade to like my senior year of high school. Um, so art's always been a big part of my life. And, you know, with like the content creating, I try to like view it the same way. Like even with like uh, what like medicine through movement does, like, like his posts are art, like that's what he does. And you can tell like he, like when he's making it, he's making it because he enjoys it. It's not because he's trying to like have other people like it. And I think that's what you have to do. Like, obviously, you know, make some of your posts that like geared towards what, you know, the people are going to like, but at the end of the day, like if at the end of it, you watch it back and you're like, I think this is kind of stupid. Like you shouldn't even post it. You should post it because, Hey, I think this is a cool piece of like work. Um, if I was someone who was consuming this content, I would think it's cool. So I think just, that's the the mindset that more people should have about it. And like, like you said, yeah, there's always going to be people that are just trying to grab attention. They're looking for that clout, but, um, I just think that's like very shallow and short term and, you know, you can only do that for so long. I tried to do that on TikTok and yeah, it's cool. Like when you're getting all the thousands of followers, but then after a while, it's like, I'm not even really like doing this because I enjoy it. I'm just doing this because I know that like it works mm-hmm. and yeah, it just, at the point I'm, I am in my life, like I, it's like, it's cool. I did that kind of content, but now like I want to kind of get more deep into it. Um, That's what I find more interesting for myself. Fuck yeah, that, that's sweet. That's a great way to end the podcast. Thank you for being on, brother. Do I appreciate you having me on, and I also appreciate you having this podcast. Uh, I've gotten so much knowledge from it, and I know other coaches can say the same, so I appreciate you. Well, thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood. Thank you for listening. Join us next week as we dive down another rabbit hole. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram at Austin Yoakum to stay updated on future podcast guests. Keep chopping wood.